Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Welcome to Joint Effort. I'm Jason Sullivan here with John Gaffey today. He's an upper extremity orthopedist specialist with a focus on hand and wrist injuries uh, and other conditions. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So not many people know this, but Gaffey and I go pretty far back, actually, mm-hmm. further than most people here. And uh, it started when I was a med student at Loyola, and I was in the ICU, and I see this guy turn the corner with, like, a bucket full of plaster and all this uh, cast, you know, web roll and all these things. And <clears throat> there was a patient who had been in a motor vehicle accident and broken, like, five five long bones. And uh, here, here comes John Gaffey, second-year resident, uh, to kind of put splints on him and everything. You, I don't know if you remember that, but I went up to you and said, hey, I want to do ortho, and you were like, leave me alone. <laughs> I, I should have told you to grab a leg, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you did, actually. And, uh, and I helped you put some splints on. But, um, man, so John and I ended up doing residency together. He was a fifth year, as I was a second year. Is that correct? So That's we were about correct, three yeah. years apart. Yeah. Do you remember the days of carrying the bomb? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was carrying when I was grabbing all the plasters. Yeah. So at Loyola, uh, it was a very trauma-heavy center. Yes. And the bomb was what we called the pager. Is that the the number still? (laughs) And when that would go off, it uh, it just would not stop going Uh, off. I remember Saturday call, I think my record was like 23 or 24 consults. That's terrible. Remember those days? <laughs> yes, it was terrible. Sorry to bring it back. <laughs> yes, I'm having a, I had forgotten it That's for why I went into hands. But, but we, had, <laughs> we had those tan scrubs. We kind of looked like we were inmates. Yeah. You know, like at a prison or something. Oh, and, and then the like, neurosurgery guys had black. Much yeah. better. Much yeah. better. It was a badge of courage, though, I thought, oh, those scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a uh, badge of honor, actually. Uh, but those days were uh, a long, seemingly a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking back, they seemed like a lot more fun probably when we were going through it, I'm guessing. Yes. I like being a five more than I like but, being a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of that, I know you like being a five because when I was a second year on joints with you, it was the second week and I felt like I was just getting my feet wet holding retractors and we're in the hallway and uh, John's like, hey, you got this today. And I'm like, I kind of looked at him be- bewildered. <laughs> we had a big day uh, with Dr. Hopkinson, who was our senior uh, uh, guy on joints. Uh, and he usually at the resident do a lot of the procedure if they knew what they were doing. And he's like, you got this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he said, hey, I'm studying for boards. This is how it goes. And uh, you're going to do just fine. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, I quickly learned uh, what it meant to be kind of under fire. And everything honestly went great. You, you did great. You, <laughs> you helped prepare me. And uh, and Dr. Hopkinson can guide just about anyone yeah. through through a total joint. He's, he was the best. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty amazing guy, without a doubt. Um, but we, you know, we got some top-notch training at Loyola, yes. I think. And, uh, oh, absolutely. As you were a fifth year, I remember you saying, I'm from Iowa and I want to go back. And I said, well, you know, my dad's actually had a pretty big group in Des Moines and you looked into it and uh, they took you right away. So Yeah, and I actually did some uh, research in medical school and got it published and I'm published with your dad's name on it, actually. That's crazy. Yeah. Because it, little do people know, a lot of the patients in Iowa, you know, are from Demos in, in those long... Uh, total joint studies um, that Dr. Callahan pioneered. Yeah, some of those patients were were DMOS patients to add to the numbers. A lot. Well, 
Dr. Dick Johnson's work is a lot what he was researching, especially yep. in the research I did. Yeah. So and, and Johnson was here for years. And uh, they, I thought, forgot what the joke was, but uh, someone was like, "How in the heck does Iowa get these longitudinal studies?" And someone was like, "When you're living Iowa, you never leave Iowa. That's like you know, people are loyal to the state. You stick around, and so you can get really nice twenty and thirty year follow up studies." And Dr. Callahan's about is serious about finding patients that are saying he'd he'd have uh, private investigators find people. He's one of the best orthopedic researchers uh, the field's ever seen, right? Uh, A total machine uh, and endless amounts of energy. Yes, intense man. Yeah, without a doubt. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's funny, we we started, you know, at Loyola and then then you come to Iowa and and then you kind of helped me when I wanted to come here. You kind of said, hey, Jason was a resident of mine. But what you didn't mention is that you know, you actually crushed the OITE, and I, every year I remember you would screw it, screw it up for the residents behind you because they'd be like, "We expect 95th, 99th percentile," <laughs> and I'm like, "This is all because Gaffy does that every year, <laughs> and it's just not fair to expect that everybody." So um, you set a nice bar, <clears throat> and uh, I did my best to live up to it. But oh, thank you. Thank it's you. good to be back in Des Moines, and uh, uh, I never thought I would say that you and I would be on an executive board of a company that has 150, 200 some employees uh, and we're helping make, you know, decisions and guide in the, guide in the place. Yeah. Well, God, for better God help us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how, how did you know uh, when you wanted to go into hand surgery? It's actually kind of a long, long story. My first, uh, rotation second year was in hand and I loved it but I thought well that's because I just got off internship finally doing orthopedics mm-hmm. I want to do sports that's what I thought and about two rotations later I did sports and I was kind of like no offense but I was kind of like eh, not <laughs> loving it but I still like eh, I'll get there but then my fourth year when you're doing senior rotations I did sports first and I was like eh, again and I was talking to my now wife um, at the time, and uh, I think she was girlfriend at the time, but she I, she was going, I know what you're going to go into. I go, what do you mean? She goes, hand, you love it. And then I was like, no, she probably knows. She, she probably knows what I should be doing. And she was absolutely right. I, the thing I love about hand is that you're part orthopedic surgeon, you're part vascular surgeon, you're part neurosurgeon, you're part plastic surgeon. Not to mention you get to sit when you operate, which there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You used to call it sports magic. Yeah, sports magic. You'd make fun yeah. of me and you say, <laughs> you said, you know, there's one study that showed 50% rotator cuff repairs, like, re-tore again. You yeah, said, the second look, why would yeah. you fix these? They just re-tear again. <laughs> I, I always make fun of you guys for doing partial <laughs> menisectomies and stuff, but I know, I know it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. So you went to Iowa then for fellowship. Yes, I did. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about... Um, um, you know, first of all, at Loyola, did you have some mentors at Loyola that kind of paved the path for you in hand? Yes. I don't think I'd be a hand surgeon if it wasn't for Dr. Bednar, Dr. Light. were big in my training. For one thing, they're world-famous guys and then great teachers. I mean, you got to experience that, too. And yep. so they opened my eyes to something. I mean, I, I never even considered hand surgery when I was going into orthopedics. I mean, I didn't even know anything about it. I never did a rotation as a student in that or anything. And so they were phenomenal, and them along with my wife helped me realize that I should go into that. And then when I went to Iowa, I was lucky enough to be with Brian Adams, who's world-famous hand surgeon as well, um, and Dr. Lawler, who's still at Iowa and is great. Dr. Yeah. Uh, Adams is actually at Baylor now. <coughs> okay. 
So you're you did a year full of just focusing on hand and wrist. Exactly right. And I okay. get almost a hand and or almost a year in residency, which is great. So tell me, you come to Des Moines, you did your fellowship, you're ready to go. Um, let's talk about kind of something that's a little not your typical hand condition, but it afflicts a lot of people. It's called Dupuytren's contracture. Yes. And somehow that became an interest of yours. It is. It's a big interest of mine. So Dupuytren's disease is when you can get thickened skin in your palm. A lot of people will just think it's callus. And then all of a sudden their fingers can start getting pulled down, which is Dupuytren's contracture. Okay. And that's when we really need to implement treatment usually is when you're starting to get in the contracture, not so much just when you're having the thickening. Although I love to see people right away. So A, we mm -hmm. can get the diagnosis correct and then have a plan of attack to, when it starts to contract, what are we going to do about it kind of thing. Is this a common condition? I mean, it's common in my clinic, but, uh, you know, it's... Well, is that because you kind of, everyone knows this is an yeah. issue for you? Yeah, and it is. I mean, there's a lot of... So it's it comes from Northern European descent. It's a genetic disease. And we have a lot of Northern Germans, actually, in Iowa. So in clinic, I see it quite a bit. So you'd see it a lot more in Iowa than you would down south, for instance. But When do people first notice it? Usually it's in the fifth to sixth decade of life, okay. um, anywhere from early 50s to mid 60s when you usually notice it. But younger people can get it, and they should certainly come in when they see something like that, like if they think it's a callus or whatever, because if younger people have it, it's more severe, actually. Do people come in concerned, like is this cancer, or are they worried about what it is? Yeah, either that or it's, it's, it's one of two things. Either they're coming in, what is this, is this a tumor, versus... They came in for something else, and they're like, hey, by the way, is this normal? What's this? Yeah. I actually see that a lot. Can they prevent it? Is there any way no. to? If it's a genetic, it's a genetic disease, so if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Trauma can spur it. Okay. But, I mean, I always tell people, you got to live your life. Don't worry about even the people that know they have it. I'm like, you still have to play tennis if you like tennis. You still, you know. Right. So, yeah. so if, if we have five fingers, does it typically present just along one uh, Ray, or is it is it multifactorial? You know, so it can rays. be anywhere, but it's most common in the small and ring fingers. Okay, but it can affect all. It can. Yes. All right. So you see someone who has this and they have no contracture. Yes. Do you just educate them? Here's what it is. Here's what to look for. Yes, and that that's when I love to see people people the most, only because there's so much misinformation out there. There are minimally invasive treatments for this that I think are hugely important okay. because once you pull out the knife and do a surgery on somebody you can never pull that back so now you if you've had surgery for Dupuytren's disease and you come back with a recurrence meaning the disease has come back which yeah. it always can um, now you don't really have those minimally invasive options oh you don't because mm -hmm. there's scar tissue or... exactly right um, okay. very rarely can you do one of the more minimally invasive approaches after somebody's had surgery are you doing a minimally invasive procedure if there's no contracture no Okay. Um, I usually try to talk people out of that because trauma, remember, can spur it. Right. And so if you do, one thing is I use a bevel of a needle to cut the cord or yeah. cut this cord that's in the middle. If you do that without contracture, it can actually spur contracture. And your main goal should be just not to have contracture. Okay. So what amount of contracture and at what level of the finger is a concern? So I always tell people, I want you to be able to lay your hand flat on the table. All if right. it looks like this, where it's starting to tent off the table at all, I want to see you again. You would think you could just stretch that out, you know? Yeah, but when you can't, that's when okay. it's important. So some can. When it first happens, you can kind of work on it. Yeah, so you can kind of kind of keep it straight. But I say, if you have any questions, just come see me. I'd love to take a look at it and make sure that we haven't gotten to the point where we should take tension off. Because there is a thought that if you 
Dupuytren's likes tension. So it brings you down because of tension, and then yeah. it likes that tension. Yeah. So if we can get the tension off, there's a thought that maybe it won't continue okay. down that path. I remember in residency there was a collagenase injection coming out. Yes. Where you can inject it, and it, it dissolves essentially the collagen that's just associated with the contracture. Is that, did that have any legs? Did that work? It's, a, it's certainly out there, yes. So the three main treatments are doing it with just a needle called a needle epineurotomy. Okay. Zyaflex, which is what you're talking about yep. there, and then surgical treatment. Okay. And they all have their pros and cons. Um, probably too much for this podcast, honestly, to go through each one of them, right. but um, they all have a role, and that's where we just got to talk about that once you develop a contracture. You try to stay away from surgery if at all possible. So I only operate on people if I literally cannot do one of the other two, and I almost always can do one of the other two. So. Okay. Well, when I got here... To Demos, I was kind of intrigued by the hand surgeons had a procedure room in clinic, yes. and it seems to get a lot of use. Yes. So as with anything in ortho, we're trying to do less invasive things to mm -hmm. get people better. Absolutely. And it seems like we're doing a really nice job here of keeping some people out of the OR. Yes. Describe how that functions for you in your practice. Um, it, do you have to schedule into that procedure room, or can you do it day of, or how does that work for you? Both. I usually schedule in, usually Wednesday afternoon or, or Friday afternoon, okay. um, especially the needles take time. When I say needles, I mean needle epineurotomy. That's where I yeah. use walk us Walk me through. You, you schedule someone for that procedure. How does that work for them? Yeah, so then they come into the procedure room, and um, I have a physician's assistant and a CMA that uh, wash up their arm, and okay. we put on their favorite music and yeah. try to make it as nice as we can for them. Because the needle part, there's about a 15-minute time where I'm sticking them with needles in their palm yep. to numb that area. Yep. And that's not exactly fun for a little bit. Right. So we get the music they like in there and then we get all that done. And then once they're numb, I can use the bigger needle that they don't feel. And I mm -hmm. cut that cord that's pulling their finger down. And you know, the whole experience takes them less than an hour and they, they'll walk in like this and end out like that. that you day. can get some perfectly straight. Almost all of them. Really? Yes. Yes. And uh, are you just going through one uh, site with that bigger 18-gauge? Or do you use an 18-gauge needle? I use an 18-gauge, which is controversial. I mean, yeah. everything, everywhere from 18 to 25 is described. Right. And, you know, I've been doing this for I don't understand now. the 25. It's yeah. so flimsy. Like, how does that? I agree completely, and I think that's where some people are doing it wrong, in my opinion. Okay. But that's controversial. But, yeah. Um, or more or less, you know it works for you. Yes. And then 18-gauge needle, in my opinion... Is much easier to use, but you got to be good at it. It takes right. some it takes some time. I, I started with a twenty two gauge needle when I was you know ten years ago, and right. got to the point now where you know I have a lot of confidence on the anatomy where everything's at and what you need to do. What so, are you trying to avoid? What are the problems that you can run into? So, or I guess why surgery becomes such a complicated thing sometimes. Yeah, the surgery itself is fun for surgeons to do because <laughs> the anatomy is amazing and it's not a difficult one for hand surgeons but the reason you're trying to avoid it is it forms a ton of scar tissue and there's no cure for Dupuytren's disease so just because you cut it out does not mean it's not coming back once it comes back and you try to go back in there now it's a big concrete just scar yes and you're worried about the nerve yes and so when, even when you're doing the needle especially when you're first doing it yeah. it's difficult to know because you don't see the nerves you don't see you know so you're right. doing it blind but it has to do with the anatomy and the more experience you get with it, the more you know when you're just in the cord and when you know you need to be careful. So, so all told, like what percent of Dupuytrens are you taking care of with the, with the needle? 
90 plus. Really? Yes. And if they fail, then you consider Certainly. operation. Yeah. And there is a role for Zyoflex, but it's, a, in my opinion, a small role. But again, that's a, um, controversial. Yeah. yeah. So you're saving people going under anesthesia. You're saving people half days worth of time. Saving the people a, a bill, you know, at the surgery center or hospital. Yes, it's a, so it's a big difference going on a procedure yeah. room cost-wise versus the surgical suites. Absolutely. Yeah. And they walk out with a dressing and can start using the hand pretty quickly. And they take the dressing off in two days. and that's No it. limitations? None. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great, honestly, it's great. It's one of my favorite things to do just because it's so user-friendly and patients love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that sounds like, uh, you know, something's... We've progressed our science over the last 10 to 15 years. It's kind of funny, actually, because that needle's been around for a long, long time, but they were doing it wrong, for one thing. You think it's just commitment to getting good at it? Yes, and um, it, it fell out of favor in the past because of the recurrence rates or it coming back is higher than surgery. So they got caught on that, okay. but they didn't realize that Who cares? So if it comes back, do it again. Yeah, right. so that's what I say. You don't burn any bridges by doing a needle. Right. You burn bridges by doing surgery. Sure. And if you have to do surgery, you have to do surgery. And that's, you know, we'll talk about that if you need to. But, man, right. if you don't need to. Uh, it sounds like a pretty good option for me. Absolutely. Um, I also want to talk to you about bumps and lumps on the hand and wrist. Yes. Um, what is a ganglion cyst? So a ganglion cyst, um, we'll just talk about maybe in the most common place, which is at the wrist level. Okay. You'll get, and we don't really understand why, some people get ganglion cysts and some people won't. But I always say the easiest way to think about it is every joint in the body has a capsule or a bag that holds the fluid inside the joint. Mm -hmm. And if you get a weakness in that capsule, you can blow a balloon up that is like a thickened version of the fluid inside your joint. And it's it can't exactly get back what's in. Happening. They do, it actually does have a duct that can allow fluid back and forth. Um, do they have arthritis at the joint? Not always but they can especially the ones called mucus cysts out of, out here are usually associated with a bone spur okay at that level but we don't know why some people get as a matter of fact wrist ganglion cysts are most commonly seen in young people actually okay yeah so when you get a ganglion someone sees you for a ganglion mm -hmm. what do you typically tell them what do you what questions are you trying to figure out about how much it's bothering them so uh, i'm getting rid of a lot of misconceptions first and foremost okay so a lot of people get told that these things wrap around nerves or vessels or that they're a tumor or that they can get bigger or spread to another part of their body all of yeah. which are not true um, they can cause pain right where they're at and they uh, most people don't like the look of them okay so they, yeah all right and if they don't like the look or they have pain what do you offer them in terms of, you know, how can you help take care of that? Another thing I talk them out of is not hitting it with a Bible, which is a very <laughs> common thing people talk about. Do people actually do that? Absolutely. You're kidding. Absolutely. I've even heard of a physician hitting it with a book before. <clears throat> Did it work? They, it doesn't work very often, and it can cause more problems than good, so don't do that. Don't so, do that. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. Um, so I offer them, um, you can live with it, okay? I would say, hey, if you were in a third world country, you'd live with this, and you'd get by just fine. Right. So that's option number one. Most people don't want that option. Will they keep getting bigger at some point? Do they kind of? No, they can go up and down. They, I always tell people, you're not going to go like this. It's going to be at most like this okay. kind of thing. Um, and then, But most people that are sitting there don't. That's why they're sitting there to see me, not just to leave it. But, right. but that is an option. And then I say I can stick it with a needle or I can take it out surgically. So, um, When you stick it with a needle, how many people pass out of you? <laughs> well, I would say only the wimpiest. A <laughs> <laughs> little background here. About two years ago, I had a ganglion cyst and it was just bothering me. I couldn't, you know, just in terms of full extension, that's about it. But 
So I asked you to aspirate it and you're doing a great job. And I said, keep going. But I said, Hey, I have kind of a needle phobia. Like I do, I can, you know, inject someone's shoulder or do a surgery. But when it comes to myself, I just Absolutely. don't, I don't love it. So it's way, it's way, way different when it's yourself. <laughs> you were, you, you had, you got some out and you said, Hey, I'm going to push on and get a little more out. And then that's all I remember saying. Yeah. So then I just noticed that you're getting quiet and I'm going, and I look up <clears throat> and you're looking pale. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're on the ground mm-hmm. and I'm lifting your feet up to make sure we get some blood to your head. But I wake up in your clinic on my back with my feet above my head. I mean, it was the most uh, uh, mortifying day. It, um, um, yeah, I'm not the toughest when it comes to that. <laughs> guys aren't. You got to watch out for young males. Usually. I just yeah, I went vasovagal and was out. But I probably uh, just assumed because you were a surgeon a little too much. Usually we do a better job to make sure people don't pass out. No, no. I, I told you I probably would pass. I mean, I told you, hey, just do what you got to do. And um, the, nothing you did. You got, you got the fluid out of there for about four to six weeks. But yeah. in my case, it recurred. Yeah. Which what what is the recurrence rate on aspiration? So this, there's not great literature out there. I always tell people it's less than 30 percent chance of being a permanent cure, and then the surgery is 95 percent chance of being a permanent cure plus. Okay. So, but you go to the well, at least in my practice, you go to the operating room for that. Right. Whereas in the other one, you do it right there in clinic that day. So you don't burn any bridges again. Exactly. And I, you know, the, if it's mine, try to try to stick with you the needle try. first. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Why not? Um, when you take someone to surgery, you told me, you know, I need to, I need, I want good exposure to get that stalk out of there. Exactly. That's, that, that's key. So there's always, you know, like I said, there's the capsule and then it shoots out from the top of it. Yep. Simplified, but it's kind of like that. Yeah. And so you want to get down to that stalk and take the stalk out as well. So if you, you know, you make a small incision, but you got to make sure you work around them and get everything done so you can see the capsule and take a small piece of capsule with it. How long does a surgery like that take you? Oh, less than 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, I can tell you firsthand in my experience, the recovery is really quick. Oh, good. Um, you know, obviously you want us to avoid certain things uh, with the wrist, right? Keep it neutral. Which you didn't do. Yeah. I did. I did do. I wore, <laughs> I wore that brace skiing, actually. Yeah, skiing that how far after? Uh, I went skiing the next day. Yeah, that's great. That's great. But I felt good great. Patient. It's good a testament patient. to your surgery, don't you think? <laughs> wow, thank you. And, and, and the recurrence rate... Do we think it's low because it creates some type of scar tissue that's yeah. maybe thick and doesn't allow the fluid to get back out? Or Yeah, it's tough because we don't know exactly why you got one to begin with, right? So it's always hard to say, how do you keep it away when we don't know why you had it in the first place? But yeah, the thought process is you get rid of that stalk, it scars over, and then you should be good. Okay. So and is that, I mean, how high in the, you know, what the procedures you do, how common is gangland cysts very common every single i see you know i have clinic three days a week see about you know over 120 people a week and i'll see at least five to ten of those will you really no no kidding no um i don't know if everyone knows this but but one of dr gaffey's favorite sayings is i just dominated (laughs) (laughs) and i used it uh you know many years ago when i first got here i'm like gosh that i feel like we just totally dominated today it was a great day and they're like, you can't even use that word. That's right. I'm like, what that's are you talking patented. about? They're like, that's trademarked or patented. You got to pay gaff if you want to use that word. Yeah, that's but true. Um, <clears throat> I know down in your OR, there's always such a positive vibe. Yeah. And uh, I know how particular an OCD you are. So yes. uh, I can only imagine uh, most operations are total domination. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you know? got to dominate. Um, now it helps that I have a, the same crew every, every time I'm in there. We're very lucky. We have the, our surgical center where... 
I get to go twice a week right. with the same crew. They only do orthopedics. They know everything I need. You know, it's not as laid back when people don't know what you need and all no that No doubt stuff, about so. it. There's something to be said for when most of the questions are like second nature for, for the staff and just taking care of. Exactly. And for patient care, you know, to have streamlined care like that, like, you know, I guess an assumption would be that every place is like that. And I've been places where it's not. Oh, yeah. um, so you want you want staff to be comfortable, and you want simple things to be taken care of the day of your surgery. Yeah, and it's an it's a team approach, right? I mean, you need you need people scrubbed in with you that know what they're doing. You need support staff that know what they're doing, right. and and we were blessed with that. We have some so. people that you can put your hand out, and they, and they they know what to put in your hand, right? Sometimes you ask for the wrong thing, and they so know to hand you the right cr- thing, and they they always <laughs> remind you that that's not how you do it or exactly, whatever it is. Right, exactly. You know, maybe a nuance you want to change that day, yeah. but but they're astute enough to kind of know. Absolutely. Um, but uh, anyways, we really appreciate you coming on. We could talk probably another, <laughs> you know, it, it, another funny story in residency. Gaffey and I actually, uh, when I was his junior, we would recap the day on the phone on the drive home because he would live downtown. Sometimes we'd go over a little bit, though. So we were put on a band, a telephone band by your wife, Julie. Yes, Julie uh, was a little jealous, I think. <laughs> Because uh, I'm not exactly the best phone talker in the world, yeah. but man, we would talk and talk and talk, just kind of going through the whole day. Yeah. And which which attendees were great, and which attendees might have rubbed us the wrong way that day. Well, for good or for bad, it was a great experience, you know, going Absolutely. through residency with you, and uh, it's great being with you here in Des Moines. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with the surgeon, call 515-224-1414 or visit dmos.com.